welcome to Inderscription. May it always be said that we are here for the work. Riches in the field this week and recording amidst technical hurdles to bring you the best in podcasting entertainment. We continue a bit of Star Trek Discovery banter and explore which is more WTF, Somerville or the Black Tower. Thanks for staying on this road with us. This is um this is bootleg style. I'm hoping that I have intelligible audio this week. I would like you to know that you are always intelligible to me, to my soul, to my person, to my heart, to my very cosmic expression. I, I think that's good. I was reading an article actually, you know, on vacation this week and doing a lot of pleasure reading about how immortality is coming and it's not really what we think. And they were talking about turning people into chatbots. Okay. And, you know, kind of filling a chatbot with like an LLM of like all of a person's memories and thoughts and speech patterns and jokes and everything. And just like having a, an immortal chatbot of that person that you can go to for advice and thoughts. And so, you know, even if I had no audio at all, there'd be at least one person who could decipher that LLM. Could. Would you pro, pro, program your LLM to make sure that it gave me only the most difficult hints for trying to figure out a song from 20 years ago that we listened to? Is that is that one of the things you would give it? I mean, I feel like it's almost the perfect medium for that because <laughs> it would hum a few bars of text. <laughs> like, how could you possibly rate it on its quality? Like, if it actually did it better than you, then it's wrong. Like, it has to be, it has to that's do right. a shitty job. Like, it has to. I mean, how, it's it's like that's the whole gag. It just types da 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 ta da 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 ta da da. What you don't get that? <laughs> and you're like ACDC. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, because yeah, especially because no matter what, like I'll just be able to, I'll just be always right. I think that'll be great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so we're up at the lake this week, and I don't know if you've ever played with like Airbnb or VRBO, but it's kind of like I mean they're well-known platforms for homeowners to rent out their homes without you know going through an agency. And so some friends of uh, staffs are actually staying in the same lake where we are this week, and they're renting a place. And let me tell you about rules, because, you know, you're an older person, you're renting out your place, uh, you want certain things done right, you know, you turn in the place, you turn off the lights when you leave, you make sure you don't have too much craziness. Um this place has so many rules that they're actually leaving two days early because they just can't handle the anxiety. Um, one person has cameras everywhere and has spent the entire time watching the cameras um, to the extent that we drove over this afternoon just to hang out for a while and they got a text like, it looks like you have extra guests over. You're not supposed to have extra guests over, like within minutes of us pulling up. What? Um, so that... But they've got a hot tub on the place, and the hot tub went a little low in the water because they've got, like, five with our two kids and three other kids, there's, like, a bunch of kids getting in and out of the hot tub, and so the jets were off. And so, you know, she thought better with, you know, the 1984 kind of, like, police state all around her. Uh, she texted and said, hey, you know, it looks like it's a low. Um, you know, do you have, like, a hose so we can, you know, fill it back up? Uh, and she said, let me check with the property manager. And she checked with the property manager and said, she can come over and do it tomorrow morning, but I'm going to charge you a $50 fee for it. $50 for a Or hose. you cannot use it the rest of the time. Holy shit. No, not, not like just add water to the hot tub. Like not, uh, you know, pristine spring water from some untapped reserve just to turn on the faucet, yeah. like for permission to add the water to the tub. And it's like, I mean, their rule book is like thick, like it's prominently displayed. It's an open area. You're not allowed to have a beer or a drink in the open living room area. You may only have it at the dining room table. What? Like, and it's like a full-time rented rental place. So this person is just like lost it. And 
man, I just, I feel like if that's how you feel, like maybe don't rent your place, like just, uh, you know, sell it if it's, if you're underwater or live there or something. But like that level of like just watching people through like cameras all day long and like texting them throughout their vacation constantly is just awful. Yeah. There's no universe in which I would stay at a place that does that. There's none. You couldn't get me to stay there. Like just the weird invasion of privacy, like for being on vacation and having somebody just spying on you the whole time is like, like they should be paying me for that. That sounds like a, 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 what do they call them? The, um, uh, study, um, Ugh, I don't know. My brain is absolute soup today. Like a, like a, like a medical study where they like, have you like right. in observation for a period of time? Like that's what that shit sounds like. Fuck that. I would not. No way. Like I, it, it's just weird. Like if I heard about that before going there, like, I don't care if it's like the best thing I've ever seen. I wouldn't fucking go there. That's awful. Uh, and how do they not have a million one star reviews and nobody would stay there? Right. Right. I mean, and they actually raised the price on them, like after they had booked it, like six months in said like, oh, you booked this a year ago and I hadn't posted my 2023 prices. So it's actually this much more now. Fuck. Like, I have no idea. Like they had pretty good reviews, but maybe it's all just like older couples without kids that just kind of wheel themselves in there and stay put and (laughs) don't do anything and then leave and say, that was nice. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's that's odd. It's very creepy. Uh, you hear all these terrible stories about, you know, Airbnb and all those other services that like Airbnb, but that are, you know, people have weird like cam- hidden cameras and stuff like that. And this is like a bold face. No, we just have cameras everywhere, like telling you, which makes me think there's even more cameras. Like it makes me think that right. they have just like, like the bathrooms and bedrooms all bugged and like there's just... There's just this weird voyeuristic bullshit going on. Fuck that noise. I wouldn't go there. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way I'd go find a fucking holiday in Express. Like, I'm not doing that shit. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's really, like, super extreme. And, like, the idea that you can't have a local guest over, like, with two adults without, like, worrying about getting a text as soon as somebody, like, pulled up is really nuts. In fact, like, they were so strict on it they had booked it with um, another couple. And so they have three kids and the other couple has two kids. And she got the itinerary and said, you know, I didn't see this at first. You actually have nine. You're only allowed to have eight people. So somebody has to not come. And so the husband had to stay home. What? Like, because like it would be one person over for one night. (laughs) Let me go ahead and reframe this. The husband's the only smart person in that whole fucking contract, dude. He was like, oh, man, I guess I guess I'll have to stay home. (laughs) Come on, dude. Like, there's not. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm sure like. Oh, uh, what dude yeah, that, that's exactly yeah like <laughs> just it was just I, like I, I oh all... that's so crazy i was so <laughs> looking forward to going <laughs> yeah t- tell you what i'm just gonna take my selfie cam and like put it above the shower for 14 hours and you know kind of follow myself around and live stream it on twitch and to uh, get the same vibes that's it yeah would, would you guys text me every 30 minutes and tell me i'm doing something wrong even though i'm not i really want to get the full experience yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I'm sure she. This person only got like this nuts after her daughter stopped speaking to her, and her fortieth cat died. Yep. <laughs> sure. She just had nothing better to That's do. It. This is all she has now. That's the worst. That is absolutely the worst. I'm so glad you were not being yeah. uh, full time subject to that. Anyway, that sounds. Uh, no, I mean, yeah. No. On the other hand, like my dogs are up here, and they're allowed to pee on my mom's carpet with impunity. Yeah. So it's a very different, you know. Whatever they need to do. Very different set of roles. It's, uh, you know, just make sure you don't burn the place down on your way out the door. That's right. That's how you do it. That's it. So what have you been up to this week? Oh, this week. Uh, I'm preparing for some travel. I'll be uh, in uh, deep in the heart of Texas uh, next week. Uh, we will uh, be attempting some interesting uh, potting adventures, uh, much like this week, except in reverse. You're kind of doing a, a field recording, and I will be doing a similar field recording st- style thing uh, down in Texas. I wanted to share with you uh, today's wittiest hard shell case joke that uh 
and maybe ever, I mean, cause there's really not many of those, let alone witty ones, but, um, the microphone I record on, it's, uh, as you know, it's actually one you loaned to me. It's a, a, a blue Yeti pro. And, uh, mm-hmm. so I have all that wired in here using the XLRs and whatever. We're going to try to use this same mic in Texas, uh, for my recording, but use the USB uh, connection instead. Um, but I want to get this very nice microphone to Texas without it being banged up and thrown around and all that kind of stuff. So, um, as you also know with Amazon, Amazon's just chock full of like, you know, bullshit, you know, overseas knockoff companies that are just a whole bunch of like uppercase consonants for the names of whatever the product is or whatever. And so like, if you go to order a cable or a case or a something, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like some weird name that, you know, isn't like a real name of any kind. It's just something that's a, you know, a quote unquote company name just so they can gin these, these up and down in an almost untrackable way. Um, so normally, I'm just kind of, it's frustrating because you have this like knockoff experience, right? Like of whatever you get on there. And if you want to get something premium, you know, it's, it's difficult to do that. Um, the one thing that I will offer as that, that you can kind of get away with even using those weird knockoff companies is anytime you can get a semi hard shell case with specific foam cutouts for a device. Um, so if you go searching for, you know, blue Yeti pro, hard shell case on Amazon, you'll find one that is literally a hard shell case and then foam inside that's cut at the exact same dimensions it needs to be in order to hold a Yeti. Right. Um, and that to me is, you know, kind of cool because it like, you kind of don't care about the quality at that point. And all they have there is some sort of, you know, some sort of cutting machine that, that has the exact dimensions of a Yeti. And, you know I mean? So it works for everybody because yeah. it, it lowers the price because those things are quick to, to find and whatever. Um, so I found one um, for this microphone um, and that I will have there. And I wanted to share with you, I had been separately, I had received um, a long time ago, I'd gotten a, uh, a coffee tumbler um, with a very similar name. So I got this case and then I also got a sticker and I got to put the <laughs> the Yeti <laughs> coffee mug sticker on the Yeti microphone case. And, uh, well, dude, I'm just proud of myself. That's all. I'd, That's it, dude. I, I had no idea I'm... where I was going to put that Yeti sticker before this case showed up. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Whatever is it I have That's the answer. <laughs> perfect. I, um... After this trip, I think you're going to have to send that for an enormous premium on eBay. Like, that's perfect. That's it. Nobody else has this. That's that's the That's thing. it. Nobody has the Yeti microphone case. Branded. It's brand, branded Yeti microphone case. So, uh, anyway, super proud about that. But, uh, yeah, just kind of running around this week. I got a lot of uh, work prep to do for the work trip uh, next week. Um, I'm going to be there for three full days. I fly out Sunday, fly back Thursday. But uh, Monday through Wednesday are going to be... Uh, uh, involved, involved. They got a lot to, to do a lot of physical stuff, a lot of being in a data center and pulling wire and taking down chassis, putting in new chassis. Um, so, uh, it will be good though. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, a couple, couple of friends, um, that you're aware of that, uh, I've, I'm sure I've talked about on the, on the pod, a friend of mine, Rory, a friend of mine, Ryan, that, that are down there. So get to check in with them as well and, uh, um, and get some torchies queso. Um, and then, uh, you know, well, I think I'll call it success and, that that is really always the success of going down there. It doesn't matter, you know, how much drudgery there is. There are just some things that you can only get in some places, and uh, Torchy is going to be pretty much it. Um, it. It's funny, you know, thinking about like actual data center work. Uh, since I'm on vacation, you know, one of the things I've been playing or watching is actually something I've been reading. Which uh, you know, I don't in our busy lives, anything that isn't an audio book and or a podcast that's like digestible in a 40 to an hour minute commute just doesn't get done. But I was chatting with um, Steph's friend's husband and uh, we we're talking about, you know, lithium and materials and how, you know, we're more likely to go start mining asteroids to find more lithium than we are to actually figure out an innovation that gets us better battery storage. Because I always get, you know, tinfoil hatty when I've had a few beers and most of the past week I've had a few beers. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I said, yeah, that's, you know, that's kind of something that comes up in the book that I'm reading. And it's very rare that I'm talking to somebody and like just randomly start talking about like deep sci-fi, especially like deep sci-fi novels. So he turned me on to this book, um, 
We are Legion, We are Bob, or We are Many, We are Bob. It's um, the Bobiverse, which is a trilogy of books. And I'll get to why you doing Data Center work connects, but the basic back of the napkin premise is um, modern times for us, somebody signs up for one of these cryo-freezing things where they lop off your head and freeze your head and brain until technology is advanced to where they can cure your illnesses and grow you a new body. Um, Except he wakes up um, as an AI uh, that they scanned his brain to turn him into an artificial intelligence and destroyed his brain. And the reason for that is, and this was written in 2016, so the um, early liberal Trumpy scare is on full display here. Um, they made up a president, you know, in like 2032 who came to power, who is as right-wingy as right-wing can and, you know, turned everything into a theocratic society and did away with democracy. And as a result, because they're all hyper-Christian, hyper-right-wing, they actually banned all of these cryogenics companies as a sin against God because you just need to be dead when you're dead and you can't do this. So rather than getting rid of them, they auctioned off all of the brains to companies that wanted them. Mm. And so that's how he wakes up in um, in this AI body. But the basic premise of the book is that he's going to go and be a von Neumann probe, so like a self-replicating intergalactic probe, and um, make copies of himself. But very early in the um, in the story, he's like just kind of getting a figure of like what he is. And so he takes one of his little camera things as he's figuring out how to use them into the server room where he actually exists. And he makes a comment like, well, it's, you know, 170 years in the future. We still haven't figured out something better than rack mounting for computers. <laughs> and, yep, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like that, there's some truth to that because you think about like AWS and Microsoft's Azure data centers, like there's all... They've got robots, right? Like on these giant racks are flipping blades in and out and doing everything like faster than humans can. But they're still racks, right? Like they're still rack mounting with the 19U and they could have anything. They could design forever anything. And like, yeah, like I don't imagine a future where we don't rack mount our computers anymore. Yeah, I imagine you're you're right about that. I think... I think there's like a lot of momentum in that design for sure, you know, because it, there is... You know, we've learned how to kind of flatten out and roll out computers, you know, in some interesting ways, right? Because they're, you know, if you're building a tower PC or a desktop PC of some kind, right? Like there's some certain design ideas around that. And even if you shrink it down to ITX or go as big as a full ATX, it's just a flat board that everything pops off perpendicular. And, you know, the whereas servers, you know, much flatter and much deeper, right? So they're, you know, they sort of flatten out everything that, that, that goes across there. But they've gotten very good at that, right? Like there's, you know, there's a plenty of space there. Um, it is very planable. It is, is it 1U? Is it 2U? Is it 4U? You know, like was it 8U, yep. 16U? And whatever the, you know, size of it is, you know, you can do a lot of good budgeting of size and space, you know, to put it in um, by taking out half of the dimensions, right? Like if width is always, you know, not problematic and depth is also, there's a maximum depth for, you know, servers. So that you're, you ever talk three feet, four feet, depending on the types of data right. centers you have, then all you're worried about is the, is the height. Right. And that's a, uh, so I, I sort of, you know, more pragmatically look at that and say, yeah, I guess I don't see why they would change it, but <laughs> because if you get more complicated, if you, if you're talking about those three dimensions and you've already solved for two of them, no matter what, and you're really only worried about the height at any point, then I, you know, it makes it more brainless to, you know, stack out a, a data center and put it that way. But also that's hysterical. I, I'm, I, I don't know what, <laughs> what we would do to change it. Actually. I'm trying to think like, you know, yeah, that's for all of the right? very I cool mean, sci-fi that that book is talking about. Like he couldn't think of anything else either. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that is, that is the right way to do it, I guess. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. it's, it's like one of the few places where we've got a standard that's like universal and nobody really thinks about because it it's audio equipment uses the same racking, home theater stuff uses the same specs for just about everything. Like so, components have just kind of settled on that. And yeah, like what there would have to be a benefit with some advance that is so great that it's worth tearing down all of that interoperability for basically just furniture, right? At the end of the day, like you're just talking about 
bare metal that doesn't have any tech, but it's convenient to screw things into. Yep. And so, like, what kind of significant, like, advance could you even come up with that, oh, well, we've got cold fusion and we can pop it in computers, but uh, we're going to need 22U now. Right. Like, really, like, we're just going to wait on cold fusion, probably, until we can shave that down through you so it'll fit in a regular rack. That's right. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're right. Exactly. That's exactly what they'll do. They'll, yeah, they'll find a way to, to shrink it into rack mountable. Yeah, or they'll just turn it. So, that's, yep, that's true perfect it's a 20 unit done done and done yeah you're it's in a 19 u box yep, they'll fix it just that way yeah i mean you know some of the blade chassis that i've seen the blades are you know perpendicular or not perpendicular they're they're up and down versus you know a flat pizza box so like that you know yeah that's how they've solved several things already it was just you know in, in order to get more capacity but uh yeah that's crazy yeah, I will be screwing with a lot of that, actually. Uh, there's uh, at least two chassis that are coming out, uh, big old, heavy old chassis, um, and one that's going in that I'm currently aware of, and maybe one or two other shufflings about, and lots of pulling old wire, figuring out how to put in new wire. Um, yeah, just a very, very super physical trip in terms of like some of the stuff that has to happen in there, and... and uh, um, also we're just talking about, don't want to make this very heavy on my, uh, uh, not, not so pod, uh, engaging, uh, tech job, but, uh, some talks around, uh, actually doing proper patch paneling and, and, uh, you know, in, in, in some of the newer rows to really kind of clean things up. I don't think that'll be this trip. It'll probably end up being another trip that, that we get super involved in that. I need to actually get some hardware decommed and put new hardware in this trip. Like that stuff that's we're waiting on. So, um, so that's more of what this trip is about, but there'll be some, some fun wiring discussions too. But, uh, anyway, yeah, data center stuff and queso. That's, uh, that's my, uh, that's my next week. So a lot of prep this week for, for that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, trying to, uh, absorb some, some interesting content is, is also where I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm trying to, trying to, meditate through some con- content, uh, trying to fully comprehend everything that is the Barbie movie. I'm trying to fully comprehend everything that is the black tower, um, which might be the opposite ends of the cinematic spectrum, possibly is what I've come to. Yeah. So I am a day off on the Barbie movie. I went to watch it and wrongly accused it of being in a different language. Mm. And I guess you had already gotten through it. And, um, it was not. There's just some subtitling on some of the musical numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll tell you what scared, scared me off wasn't the subtitling, but in the um, intro, some of the graphics, uh, it, like it said the real world and it said Mundo Real yeah. on it as like the baked in graphic. And so I just had this feeling that it was Spanish language and then dubbed to the American like back or something. Mm-hmm. And so I was a little freaked about it. So I will give it a spin. I didn't mean to break the promise. I just honestly thought... It was broke, yeah. so I'm probably going to spend that tonight. Um, but why don't you jump on me with Black Tower and tell me your thoughts there? Sure will. Um, so I uh, and I'm I'm I've found that we as humans are distractible uh, creatures. Um, I, uh, I, uh, I I believe that uh, that we don't always pay attention to stuff um, very well. And I think the algorithms and the parts of tech that are getting very good at realizing we're distractible are, are ready to grab us. You know what I mean? Like, like ready to, ready to snatch us right out of the pond. And, and so, um, you know, Microsoft, I use Microsoft edge for, you know, a good portion of my browsing, uh, on, on most of my machines, you know, helps to have everything synced in the same way that Chrome does, you know, just without installing Chrome and handing the keys over to Google. So it's, it's been what I've used the most also out of the box, you know, is, is, is a whole lot better, but, um, but I think, uh, I think one of the things that I have to actively now fight against is that the default setup for Microsoft Edge um, pushes you to the MSN homepage that has like all those like news articles everywhere. Um, and it's just a smattering of algorithm driven things to rip your eyeballs out and make sure that you stare at things that it thinks that you will like. And more often than not, it's, it's somewhat right about all of that. And that's, that's scary in its own way. But I I uh, did see this article that was posted for a movie that was released in 1987 uh, called The Black Tower. Now I'm going to call it a movie. It's 22 minutes, so it's a short story. Um, and this thing 
just dumped effusive praise all over the Black Tower of like, oh, this is this horror movie that you, you know, nobody's ever heard about, but it's like this really, you know, interesting movie that has narrative shifts and is, you know, like, you know, is done on this really cool way. And, and, and I was a little bit, you know, so I, I stopped reading because I didn't want it to then spoil it because it looked like it, the article was also going to spoil the whole story. And I was like, well, it's 22 minutes. Let me just go see what could possibly go wrong. And so uh, I proceeded to go try to find the Black Tower. And that is almost unlocatable, um, except for somebody who did a DVD rip of it and put it up on YouTube. Um, so that's where I found it. Um And it was interesting to look at because I think... I think, first of all, it's not good in the way that I would say, hey, you need to go look at this, you know, short story. It's, it's you know, otherwise I'm sure everybody else would have heard of it too. Um, it's more that it's, it's like almost like a cool audio book that had some visualizations put on top of it, except that wouldn't be a thing that people would really do in 1987. Um, so this actually ended up getting released in video form in some way. Um but I think it was interesting. Like, you know, it's, it's British. They say, you know, things like, uh, porridge and, and, uh, <laughs> and, stuff, and things that are, you know, uh, <laughs> very Britishy. Um, but, uh, the, but it was an interesting little thing to do. And, and, and it was, it's, it's very artsy, especially when you try to tie it to the visuals. Cause you, at, for, at first you don't even know if it's got if like the video is corrupted or something, cause you don't really see a lot when it starts. And sometimes it just looks like it's cutting to just a color panel and it is, but you, you, as it goes along, you get, you start to understand why a little bit. So it's just a little bit more clever than it is like ultra low budget, even though it is also ultra low budget. Um, but I thought it was like kind of a cool thing that happened. It also struck me that them trying to create this in 1987, even at its ultra low budgetness, was so much harder than if you and I just picked up our Samsung phone or iPhone and tried to make this same thing. Like we could actually not only make, and I, I, this is not a look at how talented we are thing here because you and I really aren't filmmakers. Um, but just with the absolute lack of experience that you and I have in creating film of any kind, um, with an iPhone or a Samsung phone, we could absolutely create something that is more visually rich and interesting than this. And that, that as it's rendered on, on, and I'm talking all up, like all the way up to, doing editing on our phones and adding a couple of special effects and uploading it to YouTube. We could do it better than what happened in 1987 here. Um, so it's interesting in that way, like that it's like so sparse, but also if you would think if you had to do this same thing in 1987 without an iPhone, how much harder it would have been to do even this very modicum of nothing. Right. Um, so anyway, it's, it's a neat little thing. It's like, a, it's almost like a, like a little horror short story, like, you know, scary stories they tell in the dark or, you know, like that. It's got a little, you know, it's just a little bit, a little bit weird, a little bit freaky, but, um, but not anything, you know, that's going to knock your socks off or anything. But I thought it was like so fascinating, um, that this little gem was still out there somehow. Um, and, uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about like preservation of media on, on the pod before. And, uh, it was weird to like go find it and like only be able to find it on somebody's weird DVD rip on YouTube. Right. Like at this point, I'm sure nobody involved cares, but it was, it was weird that like, there was no real way to find this thing. And so like, I was almost a little mad at that article for not having a link to the YouTube just so that I could find it from there. Cause it didn't even really tell you where to find it. You know, like you just had to go on a hunt to go find it, which maybe would have been cool in its own way to make it even more viral, I guess. But, um, anyway, so a weird thing you've done much dumber things with 22 minutes. I think you should go see it, but, <laughs> um, but, uh, but it's, uh, it's, it is, it is a, interesting little, uh, interesting little nugget. It's a, it's a, it's a weird thing to have done and, and for it to still be around. I, I thought it was, uh, kind of cool. I, I would love some, uh, film student of some kind to just find that, you know, and, and, and decide to do a modern quote unquote retelling of this little 22 minute short story in a way. I think that'd be a fun thing to do. Um, it, you know. is it actually based on a full length novel? I think there was also a full-length novel. I don't think that they are related. Um, I, Got that, it. that because the name, the Black Tower, is also very uh, 
generic it made it hard to perceive right. what the hell it was right like because when i was searching for it in multiple places i it was bringing me to plenty of other places that was not helpful um so uh if it's difficult to find i'll, I'll drop you the youtube link to to find but anyway get to experience that a little bit that was neat um and uh, i am doing my homework on star trek discovery i'm almost done with season one um i think i have like one more episode um Excellent. So, yeah, kind of bring me up to, since I'm all through it, you know, it's hard for me to remember like what hit at like what beats and what seasons. So, you have the um, the water bear drive now. Yeah. So the the spore drive thing that the um, that has been going on here for most of you know this season. They they did the universe jump to the where it's the Terran Empire instead of the Federation. Um, all that's basically unraveling now, and they they found they went through the mycelial network to get themselves back home and literally the stinger at the end of this one not the stinger the 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 cliffhanger at the end of this one is they did get back to where they needed to be but they went nine months in the future and at this point it looks like the klingons already won um and so that's literally how it ends right there um got it don't you feel like everybody should be using spore drives and that it's really a strain on the lore and canon that they try to kind of hand wave away why they had these like pre-original show and never again yeah it's i don't know that they'll ever really talk about this you know for the rest of the show but it it is weird that like some of what's going on here as much as they are trying to make this pre-original series that some of it just feels like it po- it could not possibly be right like it's just like the tech delta here is very you know it's like there's still just some very um ultra modern things even in, in its retro trappings like things that were just far beyond what we were dealing with with the original series so in that way i feel like it's more like they just kind of can't help it like it is just so it's almost like when star wars was you know trying to find its place you know with the prequel series and then the sequel series and like even when they were trying in the sequel series to make things rickety like it still was just a lot better than the original series because like sci-fi just moved forward in such a a way right like the the, it is why I, i was always fine with george lucas going back to change up his stuff because like we just have better tech now he could just fix it all in a in a computer somewhere like ilm is easily some of the most talented people in special effects like they could just re-render that entire movie and make it more tonally consistent with both both sides of the prequel sequel stuff uh that happened there but um yeah so i don't yes i i don't know that they talk about what happens to the spore drive at some point because it really does feel like they need to go ahead and now that they've mostly figured out how the fuck to do this and like that they should just give it to the rest of the federation and we're all good um maybe they'll talk about that more but um yeah, it's it is interesting. I, I think uh, the <laughs> some of the cool animations that they have around the spore drive jumps when the thing looks like it does a somersault and and how the um, how the saucer actually has like two. It looks like two blades that like spin independently inside of it. Yep. Um, hello, cool. Um, I don't know that any of that makes any fucking sense, but it's very cool to look at. <laughs> so I'm all about it. Mm-hmm. None of it at all. They are literally flying through the galaxy on mushrooms. On mushrooms, baby. <laughs> so <laughs> none of it makes it. I mean, it really is the, the most nonsensical sci-fi hand-waving that you could have to have this like universe-jumping instant tech yeah. possible. Like It's just it's preposterous. Like None of the science in it makes sense. And uh, they're called water bears, right? Like that thing that like was able to do it natively that like lived in that world. Yeah, I think that was the cute name for them. The um the uh like the microscopic yeah, ones. Like obviously this is like a giant one, but the the tardigrades, yeah. The Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like none of it makes a hell of beans of sense no. at all. Like I'm sorry. Yeah. Ridiculous. Full stop. Yeah, the fact that that tardigrade is was just like a rocking horror beast that was destroyed an entire crew that was left over from the last, uh, the last ship before they brought it on was like, it was just like this like monster that nobody could contain. Like, uh, and all of a sudden, no, nah, it's just, it was just defending itself. It's friendly. Everything's good. And it doesn't like light that much. Like it's, it's like a, it's, a, <laughs> it just got real friendly real quick. And I was like, I don't, 
don't think so, though. Did, did anybody try giving it a treat or scratching behind its, I don't know, whatever its ear would be? <laughs> that weird tentacly ear bit thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a... Overall, very cool show. I, I'll say every once in a while, I th- I would say the one failing that it has is that I, we talked about it a little bit last week. I do understand why original Trekkies would just not be about this. Like I, this is more modern and more gritty and more, you know, rad and, and more, you know, with more neon and like in this like kind of way that's like, you know, it's got a little bit more teeth to it and, a, you know, a little bit more grit to it in some ways that I I do understand why people who liked Trek and, and all of its hopefulness uh, might not love this. Um, I will say where it's failing is, is that when it even reaches beyond that and it tries to get extra edgy, I think that's, there's been a couple of moments in the 14 episodes I've watched now that are just a little bit too much. And I think like the Klingon fucking, like, I don't know about that. Like, I think like that was like the, the flashbacks to the Klingon fleck, the, the, the sexcapades between, uh, the female Klingon and the, 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 what's his name? The Ash Tyler guy that was actually ended up being, you know, that was stuffed with Klingon parts that turned it was actually the guy. And like the, two of them, like with the weird kind of Vaseline lens, you know, I don't know. There's a whole lot of, I was like, I don't know. All right, guys, I get it. Like, it's just, and there was just like all this like weird, like, you know, it, it just, it's interspersed with that, which is disturbing to look at. And then, and very Geiger-esque in a sloppy way. And then also it's like between that and like organs being ripped out with blades and like tables full of blood pouring off of it and stuff. And I'm like, you can all calm down. Like, I don't know about any of that. Like, that's just like, there's just nothing even useful about that other than for us to be uncomfortable, right? Like it doesn't serve track. It doesn't serve regular sci-fi. It doesn't serve edginess. Like it just feels like trying too hard um, in a way that they could just not do that part. Like there was that. And then there was the, uh, when Lorca was in the, uh, the agonizer and the, um, the one guy was trying to goad him on to say his sister's name and he brought one of the rebels out and he threatened to, to kill the rebel by injecting him with some sort of parasite. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Lorca doesn't say anything because they haven't spoiled who Lorca really is yet. And then, you know, so of course the guy injects him with it anyway and, and, and kills this rebel and the rebel like gets eaten by this like flaming parasite and then his body explodes and there's just jibs everywhere. I was like, like a mortal combat, like, a fatality like that's exactly what it looked like and i was like okay like you know <laughs> like there's just a couple of moments really out of 14 episodes that i have very much enjoyed and in, 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 in ways that i wasn't sure i would based on the overwhelming body of people who haven't been a big fan um i i, I i'm just talking about some minor nitpicks I, I think there's been some very good episodes some real good acting some 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 you know people that i really want to see win um i think you know like i i uh the, the um relationship with the uh engineer and the doctor um i thought was uh, handled very sweetly like um sometimes we've talked about it on the pod sometimes things that are you know very we'll just call them progressive right now so as not to you know hackle anybody's feathers but the things that you know where we're looking about uh lgbtq plus representations and things like sometimes some of that stuff depending on the source material gets very cloying and it gets very like agenda driven and and you know, and it, and I personally think that it actually cheapens the beauty of good relationships, right? No matter who they are and who they're with. And this was a great example of like two people that loved each other, right? Like, and I think that they did that so well here. I really, their relationship was some of my favorite, you know? Um, I loved that. I, I think uh, the stuff with Michael and, and, and Ash, I thought worked really well. Um, seeing her kind of come out of her shell a little bit, good acting chops with her. Um, Lorca did really well throughout the run of this season too. I, I, a lot of people really showed up in some ways that made me feel like this was some, you know, hitting the ground running track that worked well for me. Um, so, uh, you know, for, for the, those couple bits of try hard, I don't know that I've loved the characterizations of the Klingons all up. Like that's felt more one note than I think it needed to be, um, leading into this, but you know, again, it, they, they just need to be the bad guy for what they're doing right now. So, um, as much as I, you know, once this thing kind of flips on its head and you, you 
understand the Terran Empire and all the stuff that's happening over there, I feel like it smooths out quite a bit, and you, you they sort of yeah. leave a lot of that behind. Um, I don't know where we go from this season, but I am, I, 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 but those nitpicks aside, I, you know, I'm really just I, I on a body of work that right now for a full first season has been awesome, and I really have enjoyed it, and I have have eagerly looked forward to the next episode every time. Um, I think it's good stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely have always been a fan. Star Trek's relationship with Klingons has always been interesting. Uh, you know, I'm, I think, so I'm caught up through the musical on Strange New Worlds now. Okay. And we have an episode. So I there was the animated episode, which we talked about a couple episode, episodes back in our pod, which I finally got to. And man, they just keep, turn up the corny like they had that like Lord X and the animated characters went through a wormhole time traveling thing and end up as real people in strange new worlds and then by the end of the episode everybody was animated because they were drinking some wacky cocktail and so they just started doing it but they're having fun sure. like the opening credits were animated on that episode oh, cool. um, and had like a little more of the Lord X kind of character and flavor to it and um, for the musical episode, the opening credits, the theme song, it took me a second to catch it. The whole thing is redone acapella. Oh, cool. Like the whole theme song. So like they're, they're having fun and they're putting spice on each episode, which I have to credit them for. But in between those two very saccharine bits of fun, there was a fairly heavy episode um, that had a Klingon as an ambassador for the Federation. And he was very much in the in the flavor of TNG Worf, but a little fruitier. Okay. Like, you know, he didn't have, like, that grit and that terror and that, like, beastliness that Discovery puts on Klingons. And, you know, there's something to that. Like, they were the big bads in that time period and in the original series. They weren't especially creepy because they didn't have bumpity foreheads or look, you know, particularly alien. And so, you know, Discovery's first interactions with them made them very deeply alien. Like, the first time um, they had that disabled ship and uh, Michael sets down, like, basically starts the war to kick it off, like, they feel deeply foreign, deeply other, in a way that, like, we know what a Klingon ship looks like, we know what Klingons are all about, we've watched our, we've done our homework, we've done our trek, we know where this ends up by the time we get to the next generation, and so, like, to still have, like, that creepiness, they really had to up the lens flare, Dad, and you're just going to have to deal with mm -hmm. it. Because these are our Klingons now. You wouldn't understand. Yeah. And, like, they do that, but then by the time you flip over to this other show that's taking place within Michael's lifetime, right? I mean, Pike is here. Like, he's in this universe, and so it's not that far afield. You've got that other version of Klingons, like, already showing up that, like, care about battle and honor and, you know, like, these modern samurai, like, you know, very war-focused people. At one point, um, Spock even asks him, you know, how would you compare this ancient Klingon text to, you know, Earth's um, The Art of War? And he, you know, says, oh, well, that's a very fascinating topic. And, you know, goes off and it's all kind of like tongue-in-cheek. Um, so that was a very dark episode, though, because that guy was a war criminal during the war and um, the doctor and nurse chapel served in the war. So that has them flashing back to that. And it's like very discovery dark mm. in this very light show sandwich between this animated episode and this musical episode. <laughs> and that was almost like oddly discordant, like, cause it was heavy and really weighed on like war and post-traumatic stress and like these like weighty themes that I didn't think this show was giving off. Um, but all of that is to say that the musical actually got pulled off in a not totally embarrassing way. Okay. It is, again, a reminder that everybody who you have ever seen act was a musical theater nerd in high school, and they all have pipes, every one of them. <laughs> yeah. Like, without exception, if you see them on TV, they can belt out some Bette Midler. Mm -hmm. Like, it's going to happen, like... Uh, 
jazz hands. <laughs> Every one of them, dude. Every one of them doesn't doesn't matter. Russell Crowe, dude, is gonna croon. Like, uh, however badass you think that badass is, they're just gonna do a one, a two, a one, two, three, four, and a little jazz step, dude. It's gonna happen. Wow, that's great. Yeah, like I mean, everybody on that show like sings remarkably well. That's so cool. Yeah, that's. I mean, I, I like. I mean, as I thought about it, and I haven't seen it, I don't know if the saccharin is going to be too much for me. I, I will, you know, because you know we talked about it previously. I am, you know, overly serious in life and in my TV watching, so I don't know that it might be a bit too much for me to to get around. But I do at least appreciate that this show with discovery like seems to want to get some heavy stuff going on they will kill people in this show in ways that i was um at least the at least one of them at least one of them i did the full-on cartoon jaw dropped in front of my face like oh my god they just killed that guy like i just was there was just this one moment that like actually like really hit me in discovery this season that i just wasn't i was not anticipating happening at all um and, you know, and it's, you know, universe hijinks and back and forth and all that. So, you know, how do you know how the stakes are going to go with any of them? But, but it, it is, it is cool. It's a, it's a, it's a very cool show, but with this being as dark as it is, it feels like they've made room for what strange new worlds is, which is just that much more, you know, poppy, you know, fun, uh, uh, stuff that does have its depth. I'm sure I just, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, it's interesting to do that and then just have totally different bits that, you know, get to just address different parts of that universe and have people get into it. It sort of makes it like there is something for everybody, but not everything is for everybody. And I don't know how much that works for Trek, unless you're willing to forgive, you know, like parts of it that you don't love as much as others. Um, but you did also say that these get to carve kind of their own space, and that's cool too. So, um, but anyway, yeah, just doing a lot of a lot of God's work here with Discovery, trying to get through it. I am very much enjoying, it, and I, I really really like it, and I'm I'm happy to be watching it. I think everybody's doing a good job. I really do enjoy it. Yeah, no, I think it does. It, it as I said last week, it, it speaks as a testament to the willingness to explore a broad universe and to understand that there's room for different flavors within a single whole. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fantastic. You know, you might not be into every little bit of it and you might catch up on a blog if it's not your show and just pull the cannon out so you know what's going on, but it's not that day in, day out homework of Marvel and you'll scoop it down, whether it's animated, serious, TV, movie, or Ant-Man. Um, you know, like, whatever it is, you've got to watch it or you won't know what the fuck's going on, which is great and a perfect segue because I do want to, I do not want to take breaks not knowing how to stitch audio together tonight, so I just want right, to kind of keep things tight. Go, go, go. And wanted to hit on Somerville Summer because Girl. I finally finished that, and that is something where I can proudly say I have no idea what the fuck happened. <laughs> uh, what happened? So, yeah, to anybody who doesn't know Somerville outside the city in New Jersey, um, this is a relatively independent game. I know you know a little bit more about the backing of it and its genesis, but it is in the flavor of Limbo and other walking to a single direction and solving puzzles along the way kind of game. Um, central mechanic is you pick up some powers that when interacting with light sources can make things disappear or make them from liquid to solid and, you know, similar. The power that you get towards the end really doesn't impact gameplay an awful lot. Like, it's just the gravity gun souped up so that they can move the story along. Um, But you're this dude sitting at home with your family, just chilling, and all of a sudden the aliens come and start fucking everything up and ruining your night, and so you need to walk to the left until you figure it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I liked it. I do. That is it. That well, should be on the box, well, dude. dude. <laughs> That's a, so you're just sitting at home, aliens showed up, fucked it all up, and you have to Mind your own business, back. and now you've got to walk to the left until it's over. That's right. <laughs> yep. You're right. I I underestimated my own understanding <laughs> of this game. So so I liked it. I haven't um, 
haven't played one of these in a bit, and so it came at the right time. It was the right length. Um, it's not 2D. It's uh, very much a kind of 3D semi-ISO. It's like Double double Dragon or TMNT in that like you can walk forward and backwards a little bit in any scene, but not very much. Um, sometimes the camera shifts, but you do have like three degrees of movement in most places. And in most places, that was my biggest complaint because I just, and I know it was buggy before I got to it and there were some issues with like getting stuck on things and not being able to go. There were a few places where I just had to restart um, the entire level to reset something in one of them. So you're in the mines and there's an elevator and, I'd actually done it, and I think I had saved the game or exited just after doing it. But you've got to like drop the elevator, melt some liquid, turn the liquid into a solid, bring it up so you have a platform to walk across. Except the thing that you needed to melt down was gone. Oh, it just didn't spawn in. Like and and I had already done it once, and I came back to that after like loading the checkpoint to do it again. And there was just nothing to melt to move on, and so I had to restart the whole level. Um, that was the only breaking bug, but there were a lot of places where the 3D-ishness of it, like they didn't maybe playtest enough some of the places where you could get unintentionally caught, and there's a couple of places in the game where you have to move relatively quickly. Um, the place where you walk through the store with your family oh, yeah. near the yeah. end, mm-hmm. Um so I got through all the creepy part, but when you get out of the store, it's just pure action yes. for a little bit. And I got lanced about 400 times immediately. Like as soon as you came out, like started running up, like I just got aced and and try 401. It worked. I didn't do anything differently. The game just decided to stop fucking with me and let me go. Hmm. And like my character just get, kept getting stuck like in the middle of the screen and stopped walking. Um, so I don't know if you had any of those experiences. Those were the bad. The good, the atmosphere is terrific. Um, you definitely feel the creepiness like when you're sneaking around, and it does it in a very natural way without the stealth feeling unfairly hard, but still feeling like you're in danger in a very kind of limbo way where like the stakes aren't high for death, but the stakes for like tension are really up there. For sure. Which is cool. Um, I thought the art style was uh, delightful and the ending was absolutely indecipherable. Mm -hmm. Who can say what happened? Who who can say? Yeah. I I will. um, So just some, some texture for the back and I'm just going to, this is perfectly succinctly put. So I'm just going to read it directly. These two sentences right off of uh, Wikipedia. Um, But you and I have talked about um, uh, these games that we like very much, uh, Limbo and Inside being two very cool games. And so on Wiki, it says Somerville is an adventure video game and the debut title by the independent studio Jump Ship. Uh, the studio's co-founder, Dino Patty, previously co-founded Play Dead. Um, and worked on Limbo and Inside as executive producer on both games. So... So Dino Patti, you know, he, as you know, he, he co-founded that play dead as a studio and they made limbo and inside he left, created another independent studio called jump ship. And this is their first game. So the DNA of limbo and inside is from him as somebody who, you know, was, was, you know, he, he was executive producer on those games. So he has that sort of, you know, wordless tone piece gaming idea right like that's like what he does right um yeah even more so with inside than limbo you can almost see like where he's building on the same vision yes 100 percent. i think when i think back to those i think limbo is you know certainly a much lower budget game for sure um but hides it very well it's a black and white game and it's very you know it's it's got some really cool tone stuff that it does with filters some outstanding audio design and a nice tight gameplay loop to kind of get you out in and out and done pretty quickly inside is like this logical progression where you can see the money you can see where they had more money to do more stuff there and so they did that um 
in this really cool way by, you know, kind of opening up this world to be more weird and have more types of biomes. It's in full color and not in black and white. It's, you know, so it like had more, but it still has that like aesthetic of limbo. And from inside, it was interesting that there was almost like this, this choice, right? Like this choice of if you were to create your third game as Dino Potty, as he, you know, if he was to create his third game, what direction would he go? Would he stay with the kind of interesting, puzzly, mechanics-heavy stuff and really double down on that part of it? Or would he make something that was like super visually arresting and amazing and go lighter on that? And the latter is what he did here. It is a... It is even more animated and beautiful and eye-searingly, you know, engaging than Inside was, just like Inside was more so than Limbo was. But it does lighten up the gameplay part. Like, it feels a little bit more like an interactive movie than those other two. Um, yeah. There's puzzly bits, but no, nowhere close to what the other two were, in my opinion. Um, I did enjoy it very much. I think that the... Uh, graphics and the story right up until you get to the end and nobody knows what the fuck happened um, felt really cool and really interesting. I think it is telling that he was not, but, but he obviously and his team, it's not just him, of course, but um, they sort of cracked this thing open by doing that sort of kind of 3d plane uh and you know animation and, and interaction um that you can have in this game uh sometimes two and a half d depending on where you're at but um and by doing that you are responsible for fixing gameplay problems that arise right because if you go to limbo and you go to inside those are 2d games right like there's only mm -hmm. there are on a single plane um there's a lot of depth to the scenes but that, that that's not your concern. You are you are only to walk left to right and right to left, right to to do your problems or go up and down sometimes. So when you add this third dimension, even sometimes, like I think that your responsibility is to make sure that that stuff is as bug free as possible. And games are hard. I know it's hard to make anything bug free, but like you know, but if you're adding this third dimension because you feel like either narratively or visually you want to add that. And certainly from a gameplay perspective, you want to add that, then it, you, the onus is on you to make sure that you lock that up and make sure that it works really well. Unfortunately for Somerville, it is just a tad buggy. I'll say that my anecdotally, I had heard that um, you might have been bit by the fact that the game came out a while ago. You did start your save game a while ago, right? Like when, when it first came out? No, 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 no. I just pulled it from Game Pass like two or three weeks ago. Oh, really? So this is fresh for you? Uh, okay. Totally brand okay. new, yeah. All right, so what I had heard from some other folks is they had some save games that were kind of in the hopper. The patch came out, and it wasn't actually like getting them past that without re restarting levels in order to get like new asset into the old save. Mm. Um, that's anecdotal stuff. It's nothing that came from them. Uh, I obviously that didn't affect your, your, your playthrough. I did have one or two showstoppers that I straight up had to restart the checkpoint. Like I just couldn't get through. I played it on launch. I played it the first week. Um, they did a lot of patching for it up throughout this period of time, but it sounds like it needs even more time in the hopper is really the answer. Um, they just need, unfortunately, they, this is something that was probably maybe just a little bit overly zealous of them to, to bite off here by having those abilities to move around within the 3d plane. Um, Cause that's really where it kind of breaks. And honestly, I don't know that that really added a lot to this game. You know what I mean? I think just like, I think you could have had the characters going within depth, like in the Z buffer, but you could still leave them locked so that they couldn't wander, right? Like, I think you could still have done that for a vast majority of the game. Totally. And yeah, and shift the cameras when you needed to. You know, there's that scene with the highways and the baby near yep. the end that um, it was another place that felt harder than it needed to be. And you could have accomplished that. Like you said, just put your character on a line yeah. and have them move around so it's interesting and shift the camera when you want to. But yeah, I feel like all of the problems in that game, with the exception of that one load bug where I just didn't have the things I needed at the elevator, could have been fixed if you just locked the plane of your character and told him where to walk. And I don't think you would have lost anything from a puzzle or a gameplay perspective in doing it. Yeah. At all. Yeah, when you think about Limbo and Inside, mechanically, even though those 
puzzles are really, you know, brain teasers. It's not a mechanically difficult game, neither of them really, right? Like it's just sometimes it's tight and sometimes it's, you know, nerve wracking with what they do on screen, but it isn't, it isn't like mechanically dense. And I don't think they needed to add this 3D element to add those uh, to add those things in any way that was really all that valuable. So I think they, it was kind of a, a, a break of their own design, you know, maybe obviously so, but it, but it was kind of like, you know, they sort of broke it themselves, like by adding this thing that really didn't add a lot to what they were doing. And they could have gotten 99% of the way there by keeping it on a 2D fixed plane and just swimming, swiveling the camera whenever they wanted to show something cool. Um, so, you know, I applaud them for trying something different, but, but they really didn't stick the landing in terms of the gameplay that way. I don't think it's like broken, broken in the way that I've have, have had some 3d games because it is relatively yeah. short and it really, there is only so many ways it could break. So in that way, it's not like the most broken thing. So I wouldn't tell people like, don't play it until they fix it more. Um, yeah, no, it, it gets, it gets a recommendation and I beat it in a run over, you know, two and a half nights. So there's nothing so frustratingly broken about it that you couldn't get back to. You know, it, it was just a couple of places where you had to position your guy just right because they're thinking 2D in 3D. Yeah. But I would say still play it. You know, it's a good four hours of an experience. I would say story, but I don't really want to call it that. Yeah, there's a very overly weird sci-fi thing that happens at the end. And I don't know what choice you made. The choice that I made was because I hit the wrong button. I'll say that much. I didn't actually know because you get three choices at the end of the game and you can make whichever choice you want to kind of get where it's at. And I thought I understood what to do and I hit one button and it actually chose a different thing. And I was like, Oh, I shouldn't hit that button. Whoops. And, and it was over. And I just, that was the choice I made and that's the achievement I got. Um, so that was a little bit weird. I, I think that they, if they wanted it to hang like that, they probably should have been a little bit more detailed there, but, um, but also, super fucking cool sci-fi shit man like i you know like I, I really like some of the ship designs and some of the the just the overall aesthetic in general but really some of those sci-fi designs with some of the ships and especially later into it um with that one um skiff that comes to pick you up and then you end up getting yeah. in that other ship and some of those really cool looking like like great design like the art here it was just i mean it really took my breath away a couple times i thought the art was great in this game um really good in that part too and they get all the credit in the world for one of the patches that they added is you can pet the dog and they, they you couldn't do that at launch and now you can pet the dog I, that would have felt very weird to me with the way the dog comes over to you like that was just a natural interaction so yeah i'm glad they did that for sure yeah, yeah absolutely yeah anytime you can pet the dog extra two points um yeah, yeah. um so I don't want to keep things too tight tonight, but I do need to wrap. I've got um, two kids banging around upstairs, yeah. uh, I think jumping off the top bunk without um, nice. any supervision. So nice. um, I want to do that. There's a wealth of stuff that I want to hit in the near future yeah. with you. Um, you know, I was actually hopeful that we were going to have something meaningful to talk about the um, writers and actors strike. And it seems like, that meeting was a total fizzle and there's no end in sight. So we're going to have to start getting real close with um, reality TV, I think, because it's going to be a long, long fall. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, this is, you know, you're right. That was the one thing I put in the news topics about that was that there was a meeting on the 5th. Um, and it really was just a meeting where they promised to have other meetings was all it was. So they didn't decide anything. They didn't even talk about anything that day. Um, so that's kind of a bummer, but, um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, um, there it's, it could be an extremely, extremely long fall. Um, when, uh, when what happens. The, the other thing that we will probably have as soon as we stop recording is, um, the CMA is due this week to issue its revised guidance on the Microsoft transaction. Ah, okay. Um, and so we don't have that yet. We will most certainly have that by the time we record with you in Texas. Uh, they part of putting the hold on the um, competition appeals tribunal proceeding was that they would have revised position this week. I see. So you know we're waiting for that, and uh, New Zealand passed it without restriction, and so it's really down to the UK at this point and whether or not the FTC wants to pick it back up after that and file a brand new claim. So if 
fingers crossed that that long national nightmare may be coming to a close and we will have some results by next week. Yeah. Yeah. I hope to hear that. Yeah. I guess as we kind of burn through these <laughs> topics we weren't going to burn through, I do want to make sure before it gets to be extra old news, um, rest in peace, Paul Rubens, PB Herman. That's, uh, uh, yes. lots of interesting stuff. I do want to actually unpack more about there. I just didn't want to not mention his name on, on this week's pod for sure. Um, you know, some, some interesting stuff about that guy. Like there's only a couple of things that most people know about him, you know, the, with the kind of the scandal that happened at one point and then, you know, his, his, his PB Herman, uh, uh, shtick, but, uh, interesting dude. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, we should definitely, uh, carve a little time to unpack some of, uh, what limited body of work, you know, we, we were, we've been privy to there too. It's, uh, yeah, definitely a loss for sure. Yeah, so that's um, a very somber note to end on. So I'm going to just thank um, Star Trek characters singing musicals to send us off I think so. instead. I think that's the right way. A musical will always make it better. Always end on a musical. Like that's uh, DeLovely said that. Just ends. All right, we'll see everybody next week.